Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. So grab your Bibles this morning, amen, and grab it and turn with me. I'll be asking you to turn with me to a few different places this morning. Say, well, we've usually got the projector. You know what? I like it. Let's just open our Bibles. Amen. Some of us, we can just brush the dust off, you know, and open it up and find out where we're going. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, where we've been going uh, over the last number of weeks now. During this year, the Lord has led us through this chapter, through these six verses. And uh, there are seven, if you will, points, topics concerning unity in Ephesians chapter 4. And it just so happens that this morning... Uh, the next verse is somewhat pertinent to the day. It is Father's Day, and uh, we will honor the fathers uh, that are here this morning. And I'm thankful for godly men who will bear the burden of leading their family in the right way. Amen. Who will be a biblical father, as the Bible teaches, and a biblical husband. And I'm thankful for those men in my life that were an example to me, my dad. And, and those, uh, even other men in my life and family members and those who, who kind of filled that role of a, of a manly leader and a spiritual example, there is no substitute for a godly father in this life. And if you have the opportunity to be that for your children, then I hope that you'll take that responsibility and that privilege very seriously this morning. Amen. But in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1, the Bible says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. This morning I want to look at this thought and preach if the Lord will help me concerning the unity of the Father. Let's pray. God in heaven, Lord, we are so thankful that you've allowed us to come once again to your house. Lord, I pray this morning, if you would, please help me, God, to preach this message as you've delivered it to my heart. And Lord, as as I have meditated on it, Lord, and begun to look, God, to see exactly what it is that you'd have me to say, I pray, Lord, that you'd fill me with your spirit, God. If I'm just a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal this morning, God, then it will have been a waste of your time and a waste of these people's time. God, I pray, please fill me with your spirit. Help me, God, to preach this word, God, in the way that you'd have it preached, Lord, to, to speak to our hearts and to draw us closer to you, Lord, that we might understand who you really are, God, and that we have a Father in heaven a God who is looking down, whose eyes are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And I pray this morning, please help me, God, to preach this word, to deliver it to them as you've delivered it to me. We ask, Lord, we're trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So verse 6 just so happens that today, as we observe Father's Day, we are leading right into this passage where the writer says, we have one God and Father of all. And I thought that it was pretty, uh, pretty obvious this morning as it kind of came together that way. And just so you know, I didn't plan it that way. Uh, I didn't really even rec- realize it until this week when I was looking at that verse and thought, you know what, it's interesting how that on Father's Day, the verse that we're in going verse by verse, here a little, there a little, precept upon precept, line upon line, that we are reading about the Father of all. Isn't that just interesting how that God has orchestrated that? And the truth is, verse 6 is a pretty, pretty large verse and it has a lot to say But this morning, I'm not going to deal with everything. I really just want to zero in, if I could, on those first six words, one God and Father of all. We're going to look at that, and I want to speak to you this morning about how that God is our Father. Amen. What that means with Him as our Father, what that means to us, and and really what that also means to all men everywhere, because it is often said that God is the Father of all, and that we are all God's little children. You've heard people say that, right? We are all God's children. Well, there is some truth to that, and I'm going to show it to you. But I believe that I'm hoping this morning when we leave, we'll have a a greater understanding and maybe even a, a greater appreciation of just exactly what it means to have God as your Father. Amen. First of all, I want to show you that He is the Father of all creation. God is the Father of all creation, if you will. He is the progenitor. That means that everything that exists came from God. Amen. Everything that, is, that exists came from God. That God was there in the beginning, and we know Genesis 1-1, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. And how that God did that, and He was the one that He spoke the world into existence over six days. He created all of creation, and then on the seventh day, how that He rested. And we know that it was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all three together working in unison. But God the Father is the one called out specifically here in this verse. And as we have read these verses from Ephesians chapter 4, in verse number 4, we are given the Spirit called out by name with a capital S. Y'all can see that, can't you? And then in verse number 5, we are given the Lord, Jesus, capital L, Lord, called out by name there. And then in verse 6, we have capital G and capital F, God and Father. So we have the Father, the Lord, and the Spirit. That is the three parts of God who are, according to verse 6, one God. Amen. We know that there is a trinity, but this morning I want to focus specifically on the Father, who is one part of the three-part God. Romans chapter 1. Turn over there with me if you would, Romans chapter 1. I'm talking about how that God is the Father of all creation. Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, in verse number 18, the Bible speaks to us concerning God the Father as the Creator of all things. And here's what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. 
Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath shown it unto them. Now it's interesting. In verse 18, he's speaking about the people who are holding ungodliness and unrighteousness up. They are unrighteous and ungodly people. Not Christian people, not good godly people. Ungodly, unrighteous. And here's what verse 19 said. That God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Verse 20. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. You know what the Bible says about a fool? The Bible says that the fool hath said in his heart that there is no God. But verse 20 and verse 21, or really all these verses here, they proclaim to us quite clearly that the people who claim there is not God are lying. They're not just lying because they're wrong. They're lying because they know there's a God. That's why they're so adamant that there's not. Because inside of them is what the verse says, is that the, the invisible things from the creation. It said that, they be, that the invisible things the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. You know what that tells us? All of creation knows of God. God has created the world. He's created the humans. He's created the beasts. And all of His creation cries out that there is God, and all of His creation knows that there is God, that there is a knowledge inside of us from the time we are born, from a very young age, that we understand that there is a God, and that, that because of that innate knowledge, God has put that into every man for this reason, so that they are without excuse. You know what that tells me? There is no such thing as ignorance of the existence of God. Amen. That from the children to the eldest, that when we come into an understanding of the knowledge of the world, we do so with an interior, inside, innate knowledge that there is a God and that He has created us. Amen. It's just common sense that there's a God. It's just common sense that there is a God. And, and that, that's why I've said here under this thought of the Father of all creation, we see that He is the obvious God. There is obviously a God. Go outside. Go to the top of a mountain. Go to the ocean. Look up at the stars ahead. The Bible tells us that the heavens declare His glory. Amen. Just look around you, and it is clearly seen, as it says, in the invisible things of creation from Him, that there is a God, that our world cries out that there is a God. Amen. That all the cycles of nature, that the creation of all things. Let me submit to you this morning, to believe in the Big Bang Theory, you have to have one of two things. Number one, ignorance. And you just believe it because someone said that was what happened, and you don't know anything about it. Or number two, an exorbitant amount of faith. That you would believe that literally every living thing in our universe occurred by one 
absolutely astronomical accident that could never, ever happen more than once. That's the amount of faith it takes to believe in the Big Bang Theory. But the Bible said this, that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, they were not thankful, and because of that, they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. You know what the Bible does not say? The fool believes there is no God. It says that the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. You know what that means? Every single atheist tells themselves every day when they roll out of bed, there is no God. They are constantly chanting their mantra, there is no God. There is no God. There is no God. There is no God. And what they become is they become vain. Isn't that what it said? But become vain in their imaginations. You know why they're vain? Because they they don't want to believe in God because they don't want to be answer, they don't have to answer to God. They don't want to be responsible to God. They don't want to be accountable to God. They don't like the idea that there is a God who made them that they answer to. Amen. Amen. Just like a, a petulant child doesn't like being told what to do, so is mankind before the eyes of God. Amen. But He is the obvious God that every man and every woman and every child on earth and every, every cow, every horse, amen, every donkey, every pig, that the pig is willing to admit there's God, knows it in his mind, has the knowledge of God, but that man is so vain that he would chant in his own heart till their hearts become darkened and they professing themselves to be wise became fools. Can you see that in the Bible this morning? He is the obvious God who is understood by the things that are made. Anyone who says there is no God is rejecting the obvious truth inside their own heart, and they are chanting the mantra to convince themselves. He's the obvious God. He's the only God. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5 says this, For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in Him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Him. Not only is He the obvious God, He is the only God. Now you said, well, what about verse 5? Verse 5 said there are other gods. Here's what it said, there be that are called gods. Amen. And in the day we live in today, there are many that are called gods but there is only one true God. There are many who claim to be gods, many gods and many lords and, and many things even in our lives that we, we raise to a level of godship that we worship, amen, that we create idols in our own lives, that anything we would put before God and put before the one God of heaven and hold in higher regard than Him, that we make it a God, amen. You know that's how the old gods were made, right? They worship the sun, they worship nature, they worship the sea, they worship the stars. They worship the creation and reject the Creator. Well, it's the same thing. We worship our basketball teams and we worship our hobbies and we worship our jobs. Amen. That we take the creation and we elevate it above the Creator. And when we do that, there become many gods and many lords in our lives. But when we do so, we reject to honor the only God. Amen. And He is a jealous God. The Bible says His name is jealous. He's the obvious God. He's the only God. He is the omnipotent God. Revelation chapter 4 verse 8 said the four beasts 
had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. God is the pre and post existence of all things. He was here before us. He is greater than us. He knows more than us. And He has all power. He spoke the world into existence. He gives you life. He gives you the breath in your lungs. He is the God of heaven. He is the God of heaven. He is the omnipotent God. And no matter what you say in your heart, no matter what you say in your head, it does not make Him one bit less God. It doesn't make Him one bit less powerful. I don't know if you've seen much television or or, or read many stories. There, there, there seems to be a, a sort of trend in fiction over the last several years, and I've never really studied it. I've thought about it many times. I've never really studied it or put thought into when it began. But when you, you see any television or, or watch anything or read anything, and it, and it talks about these sort of false gods, and there's all kinds of shows that deal with these things, oftentimes these gods are given their power by faith. It is presented in such a way that their ability to exist and their ability to have power is based on how many people believe in them. Have you ever seen that in TV or read that in a story? It's like, well, this God has lost all of its power, this false God, because all the people stopped believing in them and stopped worshiping in them and stopped thinking about them. And, and so now that no one believes in them, they no longer have any power. Can I tell you that that's not true about our God? It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you teach. It doesn't matter what you believe. Our God is God. He is the beginning. He's the end. He's written it. He is the God of heaven. He is the creator of the universe. And no matter what you think about Him, He is the Father of all creation. He is the one who brought all things to pass. That's who He is. He's big kind of hard to think about it like that but he is way way bigger than we envision him god is not an old man in a robe with a gray beard god is the creator of the universe he is so far beyond us and he is so great and he is so mighty and he is so powerful that no man can look on the face of god and live that Moses, on the mount with God, speaking with God out of the cloud, asked to see him, and that God placed him in the cleft of the rock and covered him and let him just look on his back. And when he came down off the mountain, Moses' skin was glowing, the Bible said, shoning in such a way that it hurt other people's eyes to look at him. Just for looking at the back of God. He is bigger and brighter and more powerful than you give him credit for. And his eyes are in every place beholding the evil and the good. And he's the father of all creation. Not only is he the father of all creation, but secondly, he is our father by choice. Romans chapter 8, turn there with me. Romans chapter 8 and verse 12. Romans chapter 8 and verse 12 says this. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh, for if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, 
ye shall live. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. God has become our Father by choice. And that choice goes both ways. He has chosen to accept us as His children if we have chosen to accept Him as our Father. Now, God is the Father of all creation. And what that means is this. He has created all things. And that there is nothing that exists outside of Him creating it. That's what it means. And so in that sense, we are all the quote-unquote children of God in the sense that we all came from God's creation. But we are not all a part of the family of God. It is one thing to be a part of God in creation but it is another completely to be a part of God in communication and communion with Him as your Father. That is a choice. That is why the fools who are out there chanting in their hearts, there is no God, there is no God, there is no God. They can reject God in their hearts. You can reject God in your mind. You can say there is no God, and that's fine because you have a choice. You have a choice of whether to make Him your Father. He is the Father of all creation. But you've got a choice as to whether to accept Him as your Father. But it, here's what you've got to understand. First, I want you to see our universal lack. And here's a, an honest-to-goodness truth from Romans chapter 8. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans chapter 8 and verse 8. You know what that means? Everyone needs a Father. Our universal lack is very simple. If you do not come to God and seek God as your Father and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you cannot please God. And I want to make this statement very clearly so that everyone here will hear it and understand this absolute truth. If you do not choose God and you reject God, and you reject His Son in spite of the fact that you were created by God, in spite of the fact that you have an innate knowledge of God, whether you accept it or not, when you die, you will be eternally separated from God. That there is a place called hell that was created for the devil and all of his, and every soul who rejects God and rejects the Lord Jesus Christ and refuses the free gift of salvation will one day be eternally separated from God. There will be no atheists in hell. Not one. They'll all know God, every one, and they'll be eternally separated, and they'll be in eternal torment. Our universal lack is very simply this. We all owe a debt that we cannot pay. We all sin. We fail God. We make mistakes. I've sinned this week. Amen. Have you? Have you made mistakes this week? Have you said things you shouldn't have said or done things you shouldn't have done and thought, man, why did I do that or why did I say that? We all do those things on a regular basis. And the fact of the matter is this. 
I could never pay off my sin debt. Never could I pay off my sin debt. I don't do nearly enough good things to pay off the bad things that I do. And neither do you. That's just the way it is. And for all men everywhere since Adam and Eve partook of that fruit, we are born naturally from that seed with a sin in us, and we all have a universal lack. And that lack is the lack of God in us. Not only do we see our universal lack, but I want you to see His unlimited love. The book of Romans chapter 2, verse 11 says this, There is no respect of persons with God. There are numerous sects and denominations and faiths out there who would tell you that they're the only ones who get to go to heaven. Can I tell you this morning, there'll be plenty of non-Baptists in heaven. I believe in the Baptist faith, and I believe in the Baptist distinctives, and I believe in what the Bible teaches, but being Baptist won't get you into heaven. The only thing that'll get you into heaven is salvation through and by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Plus nothing, minus nothing. You can die never ever having heard the Baptist distinctives, but if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and accepted Him as your Savior, you will go to heaven because there is no respect of persons with God. It, under grace, it does not matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter if you're Jew, if you're Greek, you're Gentile, if you're man, if you're woman. It doesn't matter what you are. If you come to God, we are all the same in the eyes of God. That every single one of us, no matter where you are, if you will kneel and repent and ask the Lord to save you, that the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. That for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Calvinists are wrong. Amen. The Jews are wrong. Amen. The Catholics are wrong because they say that if you do not follow exactly their strict religion in their section, you cannot go to heaven. But that's wrong. If you put your faith in Christ, you can. And if you put your faith in Christ, you know what happens? What we just read there in Romans chapter 8. You become adopted. And when you become adopted, He sees you just like every other child. You know what we become? Joint heirs with Christ. You know what that means? That when the Father looks on us, He sees us like He sees Jesus. I'm nowhere near Jesus. And neither are you. But when the Father looks on me and He sees His blood, I am of equal standing in my place in heaven as Christ is. I'm a joint heir with Christ. That I, who at one time, I was not a people. I had no heritage. I had no inheritance. I had no father. I was dead and lost in sins. A stranger to God. But because I've been saved now, I'm a part of the family. And when I'm in the table, I look like everybody else. And it doesn't matter what I used to do. It doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that I have Christ. And I do. Do you? Do you? His unlimited love is that it is for everybody, everywhere, anybody, anywhere, at any time. There are some that would teach that when God wrote it all, and God being the the God of heaven and having all authority and all sovereignty, that He chose from the beginning who would go to heaven and who would go to hell. And if you're here this morning and you're on the naughty list, there's just nothing we can do for you. But my Bible doesn't teach that. 
My Bible teaches that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My Bible teaches that God is no respect of persons. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His love is unlimited. Anybody, anywhere can become a child of God. It doesn't matter if you've been an atheist or a drunk or any old wicked thing out in the world. If you'll turn to God, He's ready to receive you. Amen. That where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. That's His unlimited love. Now I want to show out our unbelievable luck. And luck's not really a great word for it. But how lucky and blessed are we to be a part of the family of God? Why? You say, well, you just said all that stuff about God loving us. Yeah, that's right, He did. But why? Ephesians chapter 2. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Does that describe you? In times past, I walked according to the course of this world. It's just like everybody else. But when my flesh wanted something, I gave it what it wanted. When I wanted to sin, I sinned. I want to watch that, I watch it. I want to drink that, I drink it. I want to do that, I do it. I go where I want to go, I do what I want to do, and I live my life, as the Bible says, as a child of wrath. Having our conversation, that is our daily walk and our citizenship, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Have you ever been there? Is there a time in your life where you just did what you want? You didn't care what God thought. You didn't care what the preacher thought. You didn't care what mom and dad thought. You did what you wanted. You fulfilled the lust of your flesh. Have you ever been there? Am I the only one? That was me. In times past, that was me. And you know what? I deserve hell. That's easy to say, isn't it? Bless God, if I got what I deserved, I'd be in hell with my back broke. You ever heard somebody say that? It's easy to say that because it sounds like the right thing to say in church. But is that you? Do you deserve hell? Have you ever done anything wrong enough that when you went to God, you thought, God, you shouldn't forgive me? You ever thought that? I have, and I can tell you, I've thought it as a Christian. I mean, I got saved when I was eight years old. I've done way more sinning since I've been saved than I ever did as a lost person. And yet, God just... There were times in the past when I was a, I was a child of disobedience. I was a child of wrath. And what I did is I, I walked according to the prince of the power of the air. You know who that is? That's, that's Satan. I was like him. I lived selfishly. I lived for me. I did what I wanted. 
and you did what you wanted. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath or hath before ordained that we should walk in them. How unbelievably lucky are we that God would look down on us knowing all that we've done. All, and not just that, but when we were dead in sins, right in the middle of it, and not just in the middle of it, but God commendeth His love for, toward us that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That tells me that He knew we were going to sin. And then when He saved me at eight years old, He did it knowing that He was making a bad investment. I mean a bad investment. If I brought you in for a job interview this morning and said, we're looking for somebody to do this and you look like you're going to do the job great, but you know what, I'm going to check the record and I pull out a file, and I look at it, and it's got the next 10 years of your life. And I'm going to see that over the next 10 years, you're going to show up late 100 times. You're not going to do the job I hired you to do. I'm going to have to sit you down and talk to you over and over again. You're going to mess up. And you're going to, are you all listening to me? Would you hire that person? That's exactly what God did. He looked at you and said, man, you are going to mess up Every single day. But I love you so much, I'm going to save you anyway. And not only that, I'm going to give you the exceeding riches of my grace. Oh, my soul, how that God has blessed us like a father looking down because he loves us. That we are unbelievably lucky that the God of all creation, the same one who spoke the world into existence, that did all those things, that He is a wrathful God, and He is a jealous God, that you, because you accept a free gift, takes you in as a son. He's not just the Father of creation. He's a Father by choice. He loves you, and He wants to be your Father. I want you to see our Father's care, and I'll be done this morning. I said before, everybody needs a father. In this life, some of us have been blessed with wonderful, godly fathers who loved us and took us to church and taught us what was right. And Others maybe didn't have godly, God-fearing parents, but still had a father who took care of you and provided for you and, and all those things. And some of us have never had that. But regardless of who your father or or grandfather, or whatever may have been, and what this day may mean to you in terms of your temporal existence and your life here, we can all have a father in God. That even me, who, who honestly, if I look back and I were to talk about my father and my dad, and, and he's, a, he's a great dad, and he's, amen, 
He loved me. Amen. Took me to church and taught me right. He's not been nearly as good of a father as my heavenly father. That I was taken into a family by choice. We didn't get to choose who we were born to. But I got to choose him. And he chose me. Amen. My wife has four adopted siblings. And I always thought it was funny. They always tell the story when one of them would get to talking about, you know, how they were adopted or whatever. Her dad would look at them and say, well, just look at it this way. I got stuck with Brooke and Brittany, but I chose you. And that's a funny thing, you know. It meant a lot to them, but that's exactly how it is with God. You know, he could have just said, I'm just going to stick with the Jews. In fact, that's what they expected. I'm just going to stick with the Jews. And all you Gentile dogs, y'all can all just go on somewhere. But he didn't. You know why? Because our Father cares about us. He cares about you. He's not just this big mean God in heaven like everybody wants to make him out to be. A mean kid with a magnifying glass as they say mockingly toward the God who gives them breath. He loves you. It hurts his heart when you reject him. His protection is unbeatable. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He cares about you so much that he protects you when you don't even know it. You know what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27? He said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Nobody can get to you unless God lets them. His protection is just unbeatable. How many times has He protected you and you knew it? How many times has He protected you and you didn't? How many times has that car been coming in your direction and then something catch their eye? And you didn't even know it. God just putting His hand on you. Are you all right this morning? On you. With your children in the car. People over there, this is happening to them. That storm went right by. And those over there are suffering for this reason or for that. or just. But God, just because He is pouring out His exceeding riches of mercy and grace, He just decides to protect you. Because He loves you. He cares about you. Not only do we see His protection is unbeatable, His provision is unparalleled. Paul said this, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. There's nothing like, there's nothing like living with God and seeing the great provision that He pours out on His children of obedience. Can I tell you this? God provides for those who are disobedient that are His as well. You'll find that the children of Israel, even after they rebelled against God and rejected His promise and wandered in the wilderness for 40 days and dying, that their shoes never wore out and their clothes never wore out. And He fed them every morning and every afternoon and every night. 
Even those who are disobedient, if they're His, He'll provide for them. But man, when you walk in the obedience of God, it's milk and honey. Now, that's not saying it's always sweet and it's always good, but God gives His best to His. Amen. He provides for the sparrows. He provides for the lilies of the field. But how much more is He going to take care of you? When He knows the numbers of the hairs on your head, He loves you and He cares about you and He wants to provide for you and to take care of you. Which, which among you, Jesus said, if you have a son, shall ask bread of any of you that's a father and you'll give him a stone? If he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, because we are, we're evil, we've got wickedness and we've got sin and we get angry and we're bitter, if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Philippians 4.19, we just talked about it on Sunday night. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Bible teaches us in Psalm 50.10 that Every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills, that he has a never-ending supply of everything you need. Why would you walk away from that? Why would you turn your nose at God? His provision is unparalleled. Let me say this, and we'll be done. His parenting is undeniable. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I want you to read some verses here. Last scripture I want to give you this morning. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 5. When you're there, say amen. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 5. The Bible says this. Ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. And furthermore, ye have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after, our, after their own pleasure, but He for our profit, that we might be partakers of His holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, listen, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness, unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Verse very plainly says this. Sometimes in life, you've probably had a mom or a dad who chastened you. In one way or another, And nobody ever enjoyed getting a whooping. Amen? Nobody ever enjoyed mom or dad chastening and dealing, getting getting that discipline, getting that instruction. And in that moment, it seems grievous. But can I tell you now, looking back, you know what? I've said this a number of times. I don't think I got enough. (laughs) Some of y'all didn't either. Amen. 
But in the time, man, it feels grievous. But what we didn't realize is this. It was for our good. Trying to teach you something. And here's what the Bible says. When you are the Lord's, you are His Son, He loves you, then He is going to chasten you. Why? For our benefit. It's for our good. That we might be put on paths of righteousness instead of paths of sin and unrighteousness. He said this, Whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. Now when I'm preaching, He cares about you. He loves you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to protect you. It's amen. But if He loves you, He'll chasten you. When we go the wrong way, we do the wrong things, we lay out, we lay down on God, and we, we won't submit to God, and we won't follow God's instruction, He chastens us. And the verse tells us, don't, don't think it grievous when the Lord deals with you as sons. If you endure chastening, then it's because He loves you. So let me ask you just a simple question. Is the Lord chastening you? When you come into church and the preacher preaches or the Sunday school teacher teaches or sometimes just the song is being sang, does the Holy Spirit come come by and speak to your heart? Does He draw you to the altar? Does He tell you to repent? Does He tell you to quit doing the things you're doing and you need to go this way? Does He tell you to start doing the things you're not? And Does He speak to you? I'm asking you a genuine question. Does He speak to you? When I come in here this morning, I didn't prepare a message for Brother Joe and Miss Brooke and Brother Jeff and a few that I picked out and I thought, they need to hear this and I've made a message for you. That's not my job. My job is to bring the Word of God and preach it and give it to you and it's God's job to chasten you if you need chastened. It's God's job to draw you if you need drawn. I'm not your dad. I'm not here to chasten you. I'm here to give you the Word of God. And it's God's job to chasten you. It's God's job to speak to you. When are y'all still with me? I'm almost done. When you're not living right, and you can come to church, and you can sit in the preaching, and you just keep going, you just keep doing wrong, 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 you just keep doing wrong. You see in the trend here? You just... You just You hear it preached, be faithful to God, be faithful to reading your Bible, be faithful to pray, be a faithful witness, stop sinning, stop doing these things that the Bible says are unrighteous, live for God, and you hear it, you go out there, you do the same thing again, you do the same thing again, and there is no chastening hand. I've got to wonder, are you even a son? Are you even a daughter? And maybe, maybe you're just real good at taking it with a conscience seared like a hot iron. But I'm concerned. I'm concerned about those who hear the Word of God preached over and over and over and walk out, and the only thing they've got to say about what the Bible said is, I didn't like what that preacher said. I didn't like what was said. I didn't like what they did this. I didn't like that. You've got plenty of things to tear down about the work of God, and there is no presence of God working in you. 
The Bible tells me this. If you don't have God chastening, you don't have God's chastening hand, you're not a child of God. That's what the Bible says. You see that? For, but if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, you're not a son. His parenting is undeniable. If God is your father, then he is present in your life. And one of his key presences in your life is the chastening hand of God. I can't tell you how many times I've felt the chastening hand of God. And his Holy Spirit come by and speak to my heart. And I become overcome with sorrow for my sin. When's the last time? You've just been living perfect? You've just been living without sin? You've just been the perfect son? Because if you haven't, when's the last time you... Christian, when's the last time you felt the chastening hand of God? Because if you're his child and he's your father, his parenting is undeniable. And he's going to put our feet straight and he's going to show us what's right and he's going to lead us through his word because he cares about us. Because he wants what's good for us. It's health to our bones. Amen? Let's all stand. It's Brandy, if you wouldn't mind, come to the piano. I hope you know the Lord this morning, but I've got some good news for you if you don't. You can know him today. Anybody, anywhere, at any time, he will take you, he will accept you with open arms, and he'll save you. But if you are saved this morning, and you've been living a life of disobedience, and you've been living a life of sin, and you're his, well, you need to turn your ear to God. And you feel that pulling hand said, hey, listen, that stuff you've been listening to, those things you've been watching, that thing you've been doing, and, and, and it's the thing that God has been speaking to you know. Every time you turn that direction, you feel that chastening hand of God. Why don't you listen to it this morning? Why don't you finally stop running from God and shutting Him off? Why don't you, why don't you accept what God wants in your life? I can tell you this morning, there is no better life than a life lived in communion with God the unity of the Father is very simply this. He, if you're saved, He is your Father. And when you and Him are in communion together, there's no better life. There's no life more fulfilling, more blessed than a life in complete submission to God. He is the God of all, the Father of all. And if you've been saved this morning, I want to thank you. I want to thank God for saving you. I want to thank God for all as many blessings. You ought to submit to God for those things in your life that need to be addressed and those things in your life that you've been holding back from God. Why don't you bow the knee this morning? She's going to play. Why don't you bow the knee this morning? Why don't you ask the Lord to forgive you? Why don't you thank the Lord for just being so good? Why don't you thank Him for being a father? Those of us who have good godly fathers, why don't we thank Him this morning for those that the Lord gave us, that He blessed us with good parents. And maybe for those of us who didn't have a great home life, why don't you thank Him that He is a friend that seeketh closer than any brother. He can be a father. He can be a mother. Lord, that He, that he can be anything we need Him to be. That He is, he is the hand that, that holds us. That nothing can reach us. That He is a great God. That He is a wonderful God. That He cares for you.
Some of you parents this morning that God has blessed with children. Why don't you come down here and thank Him for blessing you and ask Him to make of you the kind of parent you need to be to lead your family for God, to lead your family in church, to submit to the leadership of your God. He careth for you. Amen. He cares about you, where you're at. Amen. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. God cares about you. God has a plan for you. He has things He wants for you. God does. He, the God of heaven, cares about you. And He is sending word your way this morning. Don't reject God. Don't act like a child of wrath. Don't act like a child of disobedience. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we are so thankful today for your many blessings. God, we're so thankful, Lord, that you have given us a spirit of adoption. God, that you've made us joint heirs with Christ. I'm so thankful this morning, Lord, that I can know beyond any shadow of a doubt that I'm saved. I can know that when I die, I'll leave this place and I'll go to heaven. God, I can know, Lord, that I have within me the Spirit. I'm thankful this morning, God, that I've been made a part of your family. God, I pray, Lord, I thank you for your protection. Thank you, God, Lord, for protecting me, for protecting my children. God, when we ask you, Lord, to to give us traveling mercies, and we ask you, Lord, to, to bring our family members home when they go away and they come out, and God... Lord, that you watch over them, God, that you do, God, we're so thankful for those times that you protected us. God, when we ask you, Lord, to provide and to help us, Lord, with this need or that need, God, I'm so thankful, Lord, how that you've, you've never let me go hungry, God, Lord, that, that I've never been forsaken, begging for bread. God, Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, that you provided for me. God, that you gave me a family, that you gave me, Lord, parents that love me, Lord, and you gave me a wife and children, Lord, that, that I am blessed to raise, Lord, in the nurture and admonition of you and your word. God, I pray this morning, Lord, if there is one who is living in life and disobedience, God, that you'd grip their heart this morning. God, Lord, if there's one that's lost, I pray that you'd speak to them. Lord, show them that they might be saved before it's too late. We love you, God. We thank you so much for your word and all you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.